Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Hey, and a pleasant good afternoon and evening to all of our listeners across the country and across the world. We appreciate you tuning in to the Water Zone. I'm your host, Rob Starr, and my other host, Mr. Chris Davies, is on vacation today. He actually was uh, heading out to Florida, got caught in some bad weather in Texas, and got delayed for hours, and uh, he was hoping to be on the show, but uh, they just took off a little while ago, and he won't be landing for another hour or so. So he he sent me a quick text saying he's sorry he couldn't make it, so uh, wish him a safe rest of his trip when he goes there, and uh, that's all I know for the night. But um, it's been a... For those of you who obviously listen to radio or television, it's kind of a sad day today of what's happening in the other part of the world in Afghanistan. And I, I think you know by now or have been informed them now, but 13 soldiers have lost their lives and numerous amount of uh, Afghan citizens, including uh, men, women, and even children. Uh, it, it is so sad and devastating. And I know everybody from the water zone here, you know, we, we, Certainly wish, you know, give, give, give our wishes and hopes and everything to all of those people at this time. And, and uh, it's it's a horrendous thing to go through. And I'm sorry for any family that has to get that phone call uh, about what happened today. And uh, we, uh, you know, they have our, 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 our prayers and stuff from our hearts. And uh, I, I can't even say anymore before I start tearing up. It's, it's a sad day. And uh, I just wanted to make that initial announcement I, I do feel as an american really sad for for, for those people who got uh, who got killed today and uh, i just pray it gets better that's all we can all do so anyway enough of that i want to welcome uh, the purveyor of maven's notebook miss chris austin chris how are you doing today hey i'm doing pretty good rob how about yourself good except for that little part of the news that uh you know, everybody was stuck. At least I was stuck most of the day to the TV and the radio while doing my work. But uh, it's sad. Uh, you know, we can dwell on it forever and ever. You know, it's not going to change what's, what's happened this morning. Uh, and I, you know, I hope no more of this happens in the next couple of days. And uh, again, my, 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 my heart goes out to all of those families. Uh, and uh, that's all I can say. And I'm just, I feel really bad. There's nothing I can do about it. So. Well, while Anywho. we're on, you know, while we're on that that subject, let's we'll pivot to a, another sad uh, death that occurred, uh, I believe, uh, last week, uh, which is actually quite mysterious. There was a family, a man and a woman, a, a one-year-old baby and a dog, went hiking out near Yosemite, and they were found dead on the trail, just absolutely dead, um, with no signs of trauma or anything. They, it's like, I believe that like the the father was sitting on a rock holding the baby, and the dog was was at his feet, and the wife was about a quarter mile up the trail, um, and it, and they don't know why. Now there there's all sorts of theories. They thought at first maybe it's mines in the area because sometimes there can be you know carbon monoxide and other gases around some of these abandoned mines 
but they ruled that out. They're now looking at the possibility there was uh, some toxic algae blooms in the river, in the waterways near where they were hiking. So, you know, they're looking into gases or something. The, the family had water with them, so they don't think they drank it. Um, but it's very odd, very mysterious, and a little bit unsettling uh, when you think about it, where, you know, toxic algae blooms are really, you know, all happening all over the place here in California and in Florida and all over the world, really. And it's, you know, we know that dogs drink them and, and will die, uh, but it's, we, ha- you know, not... Not drinking the water and just being in the area of a waterway with a toxic bloom in it is, you know, um, enough to, to kill you is, is quite, a, quite astonishing and, and more than a little unsettling. But they don't know what it is, you know, if it's toxic algae, but they don't know what, what it is. Do you think, uh, you think maybe they fill their canteens up with that water? Well, no. No, no, because I, I think it's, you know, the signs were posted, and these, this family, they hiked a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, they were, I'm sure they're familiar with what what should happen in the back country. What's so odd to me is that, um, you know, it, it killed all of them almost mm-hmm. kind of at the same time. And you figure, well, yeah. Uh, it, you know, if it was a gas, it wouldn't take much for the baby or the dog, perhaps, but certainly the adult would, you know. Uh, so I don't know. It's quite the mystery. Uh, they're still looking at it. I, I read the stories with interest every time I see them, and so far they're, all, they're suspecting the toxic algae, but they don't know. Uh, toxicology reports on the bodies will come in the next a couple weeks, so maybe that will shed some more light on it. But, uh, yeah, so stay away from those algae blooms. Although, I, from what I understand, they smell pretty bad, so you're, you're going to want to stay away from them. Wow, that's, yeah. There's so much tragic going on. It's just it's kind of disheartening, you know. It makes, 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 it makes, makes me sad for the day, you know, when you think about all the bad things that are happening to people. Uh, and, and 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 all of this shouldn't happen, but it does. Unfortunately, that's part of life, and part of what the world is. But uh, it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. Hey, I, I also heard for this. Uh, you know, since here in California, they got this uh, gubernatorial recall debate happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess there was a twenty-nine-year-old millionaire in Ventura County, Kevin Pafrath, I think is how you pronounce it. And he started this thing off, uh, the debate, talking about he wants to build a water pipeline to the Mississippi River. Now, you know, I always I always say, why can't we get uh, water pipelines like they have oil pipelines and bring water from across the country? It's, it's, this is sort of what he's stealing my idea. <laughs> but well, uh, what, what yeah, do you what do you but, what do you think of that? Uh, you know, I. You know, oil pipelines aren't very easy to build, in in case you've noticed. Right, Uh, right. (laughs) You you might have caught on to that a little bit. you got some environmental things that people think about with that, yes. Yeah, and and I think you could pretty much say ditto for water pipeline is going to present a lot of the same problems in terms of, you know, running this pipeline across the countryside. And given that it would have to cross 
several different days. Um, and, you know, the cost would be prohibitive, but uh, there's going to be all sorts of roadblocks along the way. And I think that we're, we're you know, we're going to have to find a solution um, that doesn't involve transporting water from, you know, another basin far, far away. As if, you know, the other thing that's happening is um, uh, there's the drought is, is, is stretching into the Midwest. Oh, and, and we also have the Ogallala Aquifer, which underlies the mid, Midwestern states, which is also dropping at an astonishing rate. So, you know, if that Mississippi water is going to go anywhere, I would imagine, although I haven't ever heard it being proposed, that they might want to start re- try refilling the aquifer underneath their farmland rather than allow it to go all the way out west. And as you know, if, if, if the Midwest keeps drying out, then they're going to want that water. You know? well, of so, well, you're right. Everybody and, wants you know, that. Yeah, I think we have to stop, uh, you know, looking to big, these big engineering ideas. I mean, it, and, and the pipeline from the Mississippi is only one. There's another uh, uh, project that gets kicked around every so often. It, it involves uh, plumbing all of Canada into a massive reservoir and hydropower system that would, you know, distribute water to all sorts of places in the United States. The map is actually quite extensive and, you know, jaw-dropping in its, uh, you know, in, in its expanse. It's, so, you know, big ideas are out there, but I'm not sure that, you know, the appetite to get these those big projects done is, you know, it's going to take a lot of political will. So I, I don't, you know, I, and, it, you know, now they're also talking about these recall candidates. And, you know, this is the kind of the nervous thing for a lot of people is, you know, I, I don't know half as much as, I thought I knew when I first got into this water stuff, right? Because mm. you get into water, and the answers seem pretty easy uh, at the surface. Well, you know, you need more water, build dams. You know, you need more water, desalinate. You know, the, the, the answers seem very easy until you start digging into the issues. And unfortunately, what we have in California right now is we have 42 candidates <laughs> On in this recall election, Lord help us, and not not any of them have any kind of focus or idea for any kind of water policy, um, and they complain about you know drought. Oh, all the governor, you know, the governor's calling for conservation, you know, and there's this idea, you know, out there, still promoted by some that you know we. We just we shouldn't be thinking about water scarcity because that's that's what our problem is. We need to think about water abundance, right? Yeah. And if we just think about abundance, then it, it it will happen. Or I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where the water is meant to come from. You know, people are are you know. There's a lot of people in pain with the drought and they can't draw from rivers and the rivers are very low. So, 
you know, then they're mad. Uh, you know, they, they feel they should be able to draw the water, but the, the water's not there. So, you know, this, it, it, we're having such a different conversation, this drought, than we did back in 2015. You know, back in 2015, it was Porterville, East Porterville, you know, with all their wells went dry. We had all sorts of coverage from Porterville. And we we were hating on almonds and, and other agricultural stuff, but almonds were really taking a hit. And we really haven't seen that this time around. And Porterville is not the poster child for the drought. It almost seems to be the Russian River uh, area. They're really having some tough times up right. there in the Bay Area. So it's, you know, new conversations that we're having uh but uh, you know, tough times. So, and I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm concerned about all of these candidates. I'm concerned what's going to happen if we get someone in there and they really don't know what they're doing. I don't think that uh, the governor could unilaterally do a whole bunch by himself. But what he can do is uh, freeze funding for things he doesn't like. So, well, you know. that, usually, that usually happens when you change uh, administration. But, you know, uh, thinking, you know, you mentioned the big projects and things, the big ideas. But, you know, there, there, there's some money allocated or will be allocated or hopefully will be allocated is probably the best way to say it, you know, in this big infrastructure government bill. And, and, and water, water is definitely an important factor, not just the California or the West. I mean, it's all over the country. And I, I gotta believe they gotta they gotta start thinking of things down the road, more water storage, better water storage, better groundwater management, um, you know, things like that, better conversion of, of wastewater into drinkable water. Um, they they are big projects, unfortunately, and they do take a well, lot of time. There's a lot of politics to each of those things, but you know, the, you're you're right in the sense that there should be some smaller and, and, and easier things to do, but Joe. I, I believe you still got to look at some of these big pictures for down the road. And unfortunately, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think though that we're, we're not, that maybe there's a, a definitional issue here. I think a pipeline from the Mississippi river to the Cal, to California or the Southwest is a big project. Uh, plumbing all of, of Canada and distributing it to multiple places in the United States, that's a big project. But, um, you know, I think the smaller projects, sure, water recycling and, you know, projects within states to solve problems, you know, conveyance, uh, you know, from point A to point B within a state, you know, those types of things I think are very, very, uh, um, you know, they're important. And... I think for the federal for federal funding, that infrastructure bill is going to go to provide some much needed funding for uh, drinking water systems in urban areas. Yes. One, you know, um, upgrading uh, sewage treatment plants. Um, you know, it 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 will go to you know it 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 will be earmarked to go to projects that are you, you know that are going to affect a lot of people. But trying to put together a big project like a pipeline from Mississippi to California is a huge undertaking. Huge oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, 
and it wouldn't even and and even if let's say you could do it at best case purpose everyone says oh yes let's go do it 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 would probably be 20 to 30 years before they could get a bill just because okay you got to choose the pathway and all the geotechnical work and everything that goes to it is not going to happen anytime soon no you no you don't no, you're you're absolutely right I mean, I, everything you said is is, is is right on spot i mean you got to start with the stuff that's local and get that stuff going. But you also got to—I I believe you also have to have some really long-term things. You know, you, you mentioned the almond growers. You know, California during the last drought, the almond growers got hammered. I mean, totally hammered oh, by people. Terrible. But but they've done—they've done a good job on on reducing their water use, and a lot of people don't know that. You know, because they only they only see snippets of, of news reports. Saying, oh, these, yeah. they're sucking up all the water, but there have been improvements. There's more more scientific technologies that's come out. People are understanding water management much better, and, and things of that sort. So those things still got to go on. I think, and I think education in, in water is really, really important. Not just for homeowners or the general public. You know, you we all get the typical turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth, take a two minute shower or five minute shower. You know, you know things like that. Don't wash your car and have the hose running the whole time you know those are all true things and, and i think if a lot of people help they'll they'll get they'll help reduce that but just like last time when governor brown said hey uh, cut cut water use 25 percent people did that people some people were already doing that in the state because they had for example smart irrigation equipment and it was it was it was achieving 25 percent or even more so what do you do when you reach that level and then they want more well, see, now this is where they have been working at, you know, uh, Governor Brown released the plan, uh, was it, was it uh, conservation is a California way of life, and, and they passed legislation where uh, they've gone, they're going through now, uh, and they're evaluating each water district, uh, and they literally have now satellite images of each water district area that shows the homes and they can see the amount of landscape area versus the house um, and they are developing standards for indoor water use and outdoor water use that are specifically tailored to each water district and so in the future it won't be a matter of you know, I mean, because you're right. If you're if you've already cut back and you're already conserving water, and, so, and someone comes and says, you know, well, okay, twenty five percent more. I mean, that may not be achievable. Yet there are other people who you know haven't done anything, and twenty five percent is super achievable. Um, yep. And they could just do that, you know. So you have to take things into consideration. So the idea with this new legislation uh, where the regulations that they're developing is that it's all uniquely tailored to each water district and it takes into account things like um, are there animals on the property Uh, what's the evapotranspiration rate of you know inland hot areas versus coastal areas very different water use is very different in these areas outdoors so that, you know, all these things are being taken into consideration. And I would say we're probably maybe a year or two out from implementation of those regulations. Um, they, they haven't gone 
they've been in the development process, you know, for several years now. So, you know, they are doing some things out here. Those are the regulations that you periodically get these stories that you can't shower and do laundry on the same day because, you know, you'll, you'll get a fine, which is not true. Uh, you know, it, that's not the point. The point is trying to, I think it's sort of taking a cue from the electricity industry, you know, where they didn't want to build more electricity generating plants. So they, they wanted to focus on efficiency rather than building these new plants. So they, they had the utilities reduce you know, had, had to find ways to, to get their customers to reduce their electrical use. So, hence, that's why you have people knocking on your door, solar panels or, or you know, whatever. Um, they, put the, they put it on the electrical companies to develop programs to get customers to reduce their use. And it resulted in a number of power plants that did not need to be built. But it wasn't about, it wasn't about, Finding the customers if they didn't do what what it was what they were you know they didn't reduce their use it was getting putting the pressure on the companies to get you to reduce the use to make it easy for you to reduce your use so it's the same sort of pressure now coming on to the water district they're going to need to convince you to be efficient with your water use and they yeah. might do that through rebates but like they have been. Uh, programs, outreach, um, you know, but it's all about, you know, the, that phrase, let's make conservation a California way of life. So. Yeah. Well, speaking, speaking about uh, about that, you know, there's a city in, I guess it's called Hillsburg, uh, up in up in the wine country, and, and I guess they're, they're having a lot of these mansion homes and cottages because they have both up there. They only have 12,000 people who live up there, but they're putting in these four-foot, plastic cubes for storing water. Yeah, and they come by and fill them up with recycled water so that people can use that for their lawns and their outdoor watering. So, you know, this is a way to, to save, you know, to save the use, and people can use it and keep their lawns alive. And the water, you know, that they, that they apply to the lawn sinks back into the aquifer, which is, you know, a, a win-win-win. Really, when you think about it. Um, well, do you do, when when do you or do you believe that eventually, uh, you know, when you see these uh, the purple water uh, goodies come out uh, for recycled water, reclaimed water, when do you think the prices are going to raise in that? Well, Equal recycled to- water is is you know it's it's expensive and, and it's not cheap, but it, those things are usually built into the water rates. Yeah. You know, so. You, you think? Know, you, I, I, well, people, you know, they always say, you know, a lot of communities are going to to that because they think they're going to get, the, you know, it's recycled water or reclaimed water. They're going to get a better, better deal on thing. But I, but I, but I assume that a lot of people who do that think, well, I can still use as much water as I want because it's cheaper. Do you think it'll ever get to the same prices as potable water? Um, well, actually, you know, recycled water is, is people are looking at, you know, starting to look at that as a, you know, something that they want. So right. I think what you're going to find is, you know, that recycled water is going to, if it's, you know, cheap now, it's going to become more precious. You know, we used to think of 
that water as wastewater and we want right. to get rid of it. Now it's a resource. And it's really changing things, you know, like because in Orange County, they have like uh, on the Santa Ana River, there are water agencies that uh, treat their wastewater and then they release it into the river and it flows down uh, and Orange County Water District would pick it up and, right. and use it. And and now those uh, agencies up on, upstream are going. Well, you know, maybe we want to keep our recycled water. Maybe we don't want to send it down downstream. So, and that's a big change because you know that was an important water source that now now you know the well I don't think it's done yet, but it may not be available in the future. And this is. You know, there's a lot of uh, right now a lot of cities that are that are selling their treated wastewater, but they may turn around some point and say, you know, maybe we want that for ourselves. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're coming up against our uh, commercial break, and and uh, so I got to turn that over to to our sponsors. But Chris, thank you again for joining us this week. We appreciate it. I know uh, you're you're you are doing a move next week, and I want you to have a, a very unstressful. Uh, uh, activity for that and um, wish you best of luck on your new home and uh, yeah, hopefully... I'll be calling you from my new location next week wow great that'll be awesome so Chris thanks a lot and for our listeners please go to www.mavensnotebook.com become a subscriber become a sponsor it's the greatest place to get water news from California and what's going on plus in other other areas of the country so Chris thank you again and we'll talk to you next week all right take care everybody all right. All right, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with our featured guest. And uh, so stick around, and uh, we'll be back in about a minute and a half. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. Love you, love you not. They love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers and you can get your plants delivered direct even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy to understand approach that raises the skill level, competency and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real-life hands-on training, leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. 
Irrigator Tech specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician. Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state recognized and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free 866-614-1755 and on the web at irrigatortech.com. All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone, and I'm glad everybody's having a great afternoon. And unfortunately, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, a little bit of sadness this morning of what we heard from uh, Afghanistan. And again, our, our hearts and wishes and sympathies go out to all of those families who, uh, whose, whose children or uncles or fathers uh, lost their lives this morning, So, uh, and, and the Afghan people as well. So uh, just, again, we were very saddened by that action in, in the world, but... Uh, Unfortunately, we, we all have to go through that, and it's not a, not a fun thing. So we'll turn to something much better. We have two of our great colleague friends of ours, um, and they are Mary Conley Eggert and Frank Slovenic. And Mary is the co-executive director of Global Waterworks, as is Frank. A little bit about Mary. Mary grew up on Water Street in Watertown, Wisconsin, so that's why she's in the water business. Everything is her blood is water. <laughs> <laughs> and gave her first talk on water at age 10. She spent 30 years in the financial and technology market before returning to water in 2015. Uh, Mary started Global Waterworks because she was surprised of a 40% gap uh, between the supply and demand of water anticipated by 2030. Mary has since learned through travels to Israel, California, India, all over the world actually, that a brighter future is available to all who agree to value water, to use technology and experts to measure monitor, reduce, reuse, and recycle water. The Global Waterworks platform she now co-directs with Frank Slovenic is designed to connect drops of interest. I love, I love how they put that in, the drops of it and the waves of impact to solve the global water crisis in the generation. She, 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 she breathes water. More than 1,700 water professionals and solution seekers regularly access the site and attend the collaboration programs offered by Global Waterworks and its partners. Mary has a journalism uh, Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Wisconsin in Madison, an MBA from Northwestern Kellogg Graduate School of Business. She's an active member of WEF, the American Waterworks Association, the Smart Water Networks Forum, and the Alliance for Water Efficiency. And her co-director, Frank, has been in technology since the early 70s and applies his digital technology and relational skills to build up, excuse me, Global Waterworks Water Technology Showcase Partnerships and Operations. Before joining Global Waterworks, Frank helped build a software company through distribution companies and a value-added integrator. Frank has been vice president of sales for a number of public and private companies, including in those companies is Ingram Micro, and today is the largest computer products distributor in the world. He started Sales CEO in 2000. Sales CEO is a sales consulting firm, which has worked with companies mainly in Silicon Valley, developing sales and business development organizations. In his capacity as a consultant, he has led and coach clients in business development, 
to begin or grow their revenue streams in the commercial and federal markets. And Frank earned his Bachelor of Science degree from Cleveland State University, and he's an advisor to Berkeley Catalyst Fund and is a father and grandfather. So both of you wonderful people, thanks for joining the Water Zone. Thanks for oh, we're thrilled to be here. Yeah. Uh, it's great to catch up and, and see what's been uh, see what's been happening in that. But maybe some of the new listeners that we have, and we've got quite a few now. I mean, we're up to, you know, uh, a little over 40, almost 50,000 live listeners. And, and then when it goes to the Internet, it's close to 200,000 when it goes to the various uh, media platforms. So maybe one of you can just give a little uh, story about what is Global Waterworks, just for the people who don't know. Yeah, Go well, ahead, we are just so thrilled to be here with you, Robert. And uh, what's so funny is Chris was sort of there at the start of Global Waterworks. We got our start with Israel at the Israel-California Water Conference when mm-hmm. you all had a memorandum of understanding. Yep. to work to, uh, in collaboration with Israel to bring in smart technologies. And at that time, what we saw was that people weren't aware that this technology exists to solve the water problem. But we have that evidence with Israel. You know that. And that, and, was, the uh, first, and that was the first time I met you years ago. Right, yeah. right. That was such an awesome conference. So, yes. Yeah. And, um, and then Chris, uh, also participated in our roundtables, as they believe you did. And what happened was uh, we saw everywhere that the technology exists, and we started out as a uh, technology sort of marketing company, thinking people didn't know about the technology. But what really is uh, the issue that we realized was wasn't being solved is those most in need of solutions are least able to pay. And they don't have the visibilities that the big utilities in California do when they bring in Israel. And so um, so we just pivoted. We introduced ourselves as a charity over the summer. We got approval. We're an official 501c3. And the focus is to connect drops of interest for waves of impact, as you said, uh, to solve the global water crisis in this generation. And it sounds like a... I know you've been working on that for a very long time, so I, I want to address any concerns you no, have about no, how lofty that goal is. You know, I, if you were listening when I had uh, Chris Austin on, you know, the, about about lofty plans and such, and you know, you, you gotta have you gotta have little ones, but you, <laughs> you also gotta have, you also gotta have big ones. So, how do you plan to accomplish this lofty goal? Yeah, one project at a time. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, breaking it down is so important. And uh, and also uh, by leveraging the technology and the people and the processes through our collaboration community. So we have a great community. All 200,000 of your listeners are welcome to join. There's no fee. Uh, it's self-policing. And uh, you can find it at globalwaterworks.org and uh, meet the experts who are making water work. And uh, I'll uh, turn it over to Frank. He can tell you more about the technology database that we have and exactly how we make that all come together. Yeah. So, Frank, so Frank, it's good to talk to you again. You've been on our show before as, you, a, as an individual. Yeah. We, we appreciate you coming on. So who is your typical member? I mean, aside from people like me and Chris and other people who are in the industry, who, who else? I mean, I, I, I know personally, but for our listeners, who, who is your typical member? Well, I think there's... Uh, you know, a couple of uh, maybe categories there. I think mean, certainly it's people that are passionate about water. Uh, and that, you know, you think about that, and that could be, you know, somebody who's a, a homeowner or it could be a, you know, a technologist. Uh, we have people that, we have people that are passionate about water. We have people that are experts in uh, different categories of water that, uh, that join. And then 
uh, the water innovators, those people that are innovating in water, and that they may be innovating through technology or innovating through process or innovating through education. So those are kind of the, maybe the three groups, passionate, uh, experts, and water innovators. Yeah. And um, I, I know I met some of your staff and worked with some of your staff, but Travis Loop, he's, he's a super guy. He's, I know he's a member and yep. does, does great podcasts, and, and he captures really good data. But, um, so what's some of the, the stumbling blocks that you guys have encountered? Because I know – you know, you got a great organization. You you sure, certainly have a, a a good list of people who belong to you. I mean, notable people, as you said, and, and plus people who just want to know about water and are very much interested. But what assembly blocks have you you encountered over the years since since you joined? So you know, a co- couple of things. Certainly, um, the the slowness, I guess, of adoption of new technologies. You know, I've you said in my intro, I've been in technology since the early 70s, and, and because of the things that I have done in technology, I've seen the impact on technology not only in business, but, but certainly uh, in personal lives. And sure. that same impact can be brought to one. The technology is available. You know, we talk about solving the water crisis in a generation. The technology is available to do that. Right. It becomes the question of getting people to adopt. So with that, there's certainly the, they don't adopt because there is a, you know a certain cause. Let's say caution. I guess would be a, the soft word there. Caution to adopting new technology. So in our technology showcase, which today has a little over 105 different companies in there and representing a number. of more than that in technology, because the company, each company, some of them have multiple technologies. But each one of the companies and the technology represented in our database has case studies, and that these are proven technologies. We don't have any emerging or, or these are from proven commercial technologies. So, one of the big stumbling blocks is the doubt that technology is going to work or the risk of adapting technology because many of the people in water are somewhat risk-averse. So what we've done is we've built a technology showcase that has all proven technology. And then with that, we've developed that so that we have, you know, if you think about uh, implementation as people, process, and technology, so that we not only bring the technology to play, but we bring the experts to play so that people can come into the community and get get real-life advice, get read case studies, talk to people who have implemented. And then we have, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, we have what we call journeys, so that somebody can come in if they have a problem and looking for a solution. That solution likely is represented in one of our journeys, and you take a look at that journey, and it will give you the process, the technology, along with the expert that can get, get you from where you are to where you need to be. So mm-hmm. what we're doing, because of this stumbling block, and it's certainly become a, a key part of our building, our organization, and our, our, our community, is that we have put in place all of these elements 
that take the risk out of adoption for getting people from where they are in water to where they need to be. Mm. You, know, you know, here in, well, in California, I'm, I'm out in the Arizona area right now, but, but in California, in 2000, before 2012, they passed a law uh, that uh, by 2012, everybody had to use smart irrigation controllers. And they never enforced that. I mean, eight, ten years went by, and, and nobody really did anything with those. And and it was hard for manufacturers to say, okay, so one state is, is going to mandate it. So do they have to make another product, a, se- a separate product, just to sell to California and everything else? But now now it's getting a little. Obviously, it's been more adaptable over the years. But I think I think education is is one of the most important things in in this business in the water, so people understand it and and and, and climb onto it. I mean. You know, there's there's brand new things that come out that people are afraid to try, just like just like the uh, vaccinations that are going on right now. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and it's silly to say, you know, um, you know, get your get your two shots, but you can still get COVID, still get a booster. They tried to sell me a. Um, I, I went in because I had my two shots a couple months ago, and I they give you you know the the, the card that they give you, the stamp it yeah. that you said your things. So I went back to the place where I got it. it was a Walgreens. I said, "Hey, it's been in my wallet and it's getting getting kind of torn up. Can I get a new one?" And this was last Thursday. And the guy said, "Oh, we'll get we we can give you a booster right now." I said, "But it's not approved." He says, "Oh, well, don't don't worry. We have them here. You can get it today." I said, "But it's not approved yet." <laughs> they didn't approve it till this past Monday. It was like four days later, and they were they were just trying to hustle me to get the get get the. I said, "But I'm not supposed to get. If I did have it, I have to wait X amount of months, and that would be November. So why are you forcing it on me?" So he wouldn't give me a new car, so I, I walked out. I wasn't real happy. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that interests me a lot and, and, and some of your technologies, and I'll ask both of you about these, your, the, the, the ahas and, and what you listened. Oh, actually, let's go into that first. What, what's some of the things you learned last year, both of you, from your perspectives on, on, on all of this? Do you think education is, an, is a real big important factor to getting people to, to move forward on these new, new gadgets that come out? Yes. Oh, I'll, I'll take that one because I sat in on a, one of the most amazing little uh, webinars last week out of India, and I totally agree it's about education, Robert, but I think also it's about top-down and bottom-up. And yeah. what I mean by yeah. that is uh, Prime Minister Modi or President Modi from India actually gave his um, his social media handles to the woman they call the water warrior. She's very high up in uh, their leadership teams there, and they're, you know, they're rehabbing their step wells. They have the whole country engaged in this conservation effort because they desperately need it with, with water and with COVID going on. But, uh, but then they also have a bottom-up movement with uh, all of the youth coming in to help educate building owners and uh, moving. Their, their goal is to save 100 billion liters uh, since they just started this campaign, I think, about a year ago. And uh, they're doing it. They're 10% of the way there, and they have HOAs and others getting educated on aerators and all of the things you talk about with Veronica Bloody with the WaterSense team and uh, um, making that happen for the homeowners and also for um, the building managers. And tomorrow they're they're gathering the Green Building Organization to – embrace this and also lead it with all of their participants. So it's really all about collaboration, you know, and 
education as you said, but we need a place to both ask questions and get answers, Robert. And that's what we've tried to set up in uh, Global Waterworks, where uh, you can have a voice and contribute and play a part. And Frank mentioned journeys, and in 30 minutes, you can become a Global Water Ambassador. simply by taking a tour and then inviting two more people in, but also filling out your profile so people know what your interests in water are. It's it's, it's a great organization. I know when Frank was on one of the last times, I I was very, very intimate with with his his work doing the uh, atmosphere uh, harvesting, water harvesting. And and I, I believe... Like I've seen these, or I haven't seen. I've seen articles on vertical farming where they take a uh, a building, a uh, warehouse, and they turn it into uh, a farm, and they use LEDs for to provide like sunlight, and they use a hundred percent, not a hundred percent, but eighty percent less water. They don't use chemicals because everything's inside, temperatures controlled. I I think things like that are awesome, and the things that Frank that you've been into uh, and involved with is. Is amazing, and I don't know why it. Again, maybe it's that adoption thing again. But I see third world countries. I see, I see uh, Red Cross. I see uh, boating. All these industries can use those things, but I don't know why it's not more available or more well known or more accepted. Maybe you can comment on that. You know, it's over the last probably two years. It has. Um, become more more, uh, more implementations have been done. There's been, I think, almost 500 implementations done on the Navajo Reservation. Mm. You know, there's about 30,000 homes in the Navajo Reservation that have no access to water. Right. There's been a good number of, of uh, implementations in Australia and so forth. So, you know, part of the, certainly the, the it's coming on stream because the early days of atmospheric water generation was expensive. And, you know, it took power and so on and so forth. So the people who needed it the most, you know, maybe in sub-Sahara Africa, you know, didn't have the money to, you know, provide for, for an implementation. And those hurdles are slowly being knocked down. So, you know, atmospheric water generation, there's probably 60 companies that are in it today. It's right. becoming more more prevalent, yeah. and I think you'll see some things with the government and so on and so forth. So uh, part of that is, you know, it certainly is an education process, but also part of it was the, the inability for people to afford an implementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, you needed it where there wasn't enough electricity and so on and so forth. So there were a lot of reasons, and those are being knocked down one at a time, and you're starting to see more and more implementation. Yeah, those. I mean, I, I can visualize a whole farm run on on uh, solar, uh, water harvesting, things like that. So uh, you know, you got a whole entity built in, in into a, a building. Uh, again, you 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 don't you hardly use any chemicals at all or pesticides. Your water is cut down eighty percent. You don't pay electricity bills. I mean, I, I see I see that as certainly a future plus. Plus, the farmland, you know, when you start growing things vertically, you can get as much, uh, you can get actually more in per square foot than you can on, yep. on, on land. And, and yeah, I, I'm really interested. I, I've always, I, I talked to Chris about it. One day I'd like to, I, I know where some are, 
We just haven't had time or ability to go out and actually film it for a show and do a whole show mm-hmm. on that. I thought that I think that would be awesome for people to know more about it. And a lot of the companies that are doing that, uh, who have those farms, they sell products to the local food stores and things of like that. They package them. I, I can name you right about ten different companies that I've looked into. Uh, it's it's really exciting exciting on that. So what's what else is on the horizon for your organization? What's coming down the pike that uh, our our people should know about? Um, yeah, I'm so glad you asked because we're actually working very closely with California with uh, all of the reuse and the National Water Reuse Action Plan. And I know you and Chris were just talking about Purple Pipe. Yeah. So, um, so Robert, I'd like all of your listeners to, to mark their calendars for September 14th. You can join in our community to find details on the event, which is uh, Felicia Marcus from ah. California, formerly yeah. ran the water board. Yeah. yeah, we love Felicia. She's been on a couple of times. Great lady. Great yeah, lady. Yeah, so she will kick that off with Melissa Meeker, who ran uh, the water reuse organization, as well as Graham Simmons. We're marrying water reuse with smart water, a three-part mm-hmm. webinar series. People can get involved as sponsors. They can get continuing education credits. And uh, it'll be broadcast to uh, Grant Gillette's uh, Water and Waste Digest, Stormwater Solutions, Water Quality Products Magazine, and we'll keep you guys apprised of this, but uh, uh, it'll start September 14th and October 12th and November 9th, talking about the history of reuse, where we are today, the National Water Reuse Action Plan, and then a distributed system. And we have one other program that will be really cool. It's the largest gathering of water technologists is in Chicago in October 18th through the 20th, but we'll have a preview to that on September 23rd. You can go into the Global Waterworks community now and register for that and hear about the shark tank, hear about the, the top presentations you'll get to enjoy. But uh, we just uh, really value uh, Frank and I are connectors. You guys are experts. Your listeners are experts or they're passionate, as um, Frank said. So we just welcome everyone and uh, look forward to collaborating uh, with you to, as we said, everyone's required to sort of solve this global water crisis if we're going to do it. And uh, so what, one last thing you just mentioned about what's the gap or what's the hurdle, and the fact that people are disconnected from water, I think you and I have talked about that with this idea of get water fit. There are different devices or surveys, and the EPA has one. But right. our vision is that we do reconnect everyone so we have the data on the end user, and there are some technologists. So maybe we can collaborate with your team at Toro on that in some way and uh, and have everyone have visibility into what they use so that they can better manage it. Well, that that'd be great. Hey, also on your on those webinars you just mentioned that are happening in September, October, November. How long how long are they going to be? I mean, uh, in length, you know, half hour, an hour, two hours, three hours. Oh, it's just a quick one hour, um, forty five minute panel presentation, fifteen minutes Q and A. If you if you would like, we would we would love to be able to take some of that and rebroadcast it on our show if you'd like. Oh, we would love that. All the participants <laughs> would. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, you 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 guys have been super to us, and we appreciate that. And like I said, anything you ever need from us, we'll be glad to help. And I was talking to Chris Davies. He he's on he's on he's called in, but he's not talking. I guess he's checking into <laughs> he's checking into a hotel. Uh, so I, I, I won't let him uh, get interrupted on giving them the credit card and all that. 
But uh, I know he's been busy filling out some forms for you guys and things to join and some other things. So we're, you know, whatever we can do to help spread the word with you, because you guys are doing a fantastic job and, and you need, you know, uh, a lot of people need to know more about what your organization does. And, 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 and again, you have a good ground base in the sense that uh, there's people all over the world who belong to your organization. So that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. Because we're represented and, in 77 countries right now. Wow. <laughs> Right, but we're, we also have you guys featured at the front of our website right now. So hopefully oh. anyone who's chiming in around the around the world is seeing that. But um, and we want to we could listen to your show forever. So Water Wonks unite here, and thank you to all the listeners for your passion. Thank you. We hope uh, oh. that we can give you a place where you can make turn that into action. Well, we we we, we 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 appreciate. It. I mean, we started this as you know when California had the drought six and a half years ago. And it started just on California, and we spread it out, and, and you know now we're syndicated out of Florida as well. And you know people are talking to us about going national with the show. We're very excited about that. We've won uh, 17 awards so far. We we just got oh notified. My we just got notified. I can't tell you who. They won't let us tell you yet, but we're getting another one coming up here shortly. Um, we're very excited about that. And uh, but again, it's it's not because of myself and Chris or or or, or uh, both Chris's. Uh, Chris Austin, Ms. Chris Austin, and, and Chris Davies, and also Mike Barron, who started off with me. It's the people that came on the show and told us what they know about water and legislation. That that made the show. We were just the facilitators, and we appreciate again from Felicia Marcus to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to Al Gore. I mean, to Diane Feinstein, Felicia Marcus. I mean, give you the list of people. You <laughs> yourself. We've been very, very blessed about about that, and and again, that made that made it good. And I see that in your organization. You know, having talked to Frank several times before and you on the radio, both of you, uh, you guys are great leaders. You've got, you've got a great passion, fire in the belly, and more more people need to do that because if we don't, we're, you know, everybody wants green. Well, without without blue, you're not getting green. <laughs> <laughs> very good point. So, all right. Well, we thank, thank you very we, we thank you very much for joining today. We'll get back to you on, on a phone call or email and communicate some more about some things we can do together and and again, thank you very, very, very much for joining the show. We do appreciate all the information. And anybody, uh, where can they go get your information? What's your website? At globalwaterworks.org. Okay, it's simple as that. All right, and as we tell everybody, uh, we'll talk to you next week. The one thing that Chris Davey and I always want to tell you before we leave is help keep your planet blue. Good afternoon, good evening, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.